This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Aaron Vickers on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Kicking off hour number three of the program. Flying by on a Tuesday. Logan and Aaron along with you on the sports drive. It's brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Ask how a restricted key system can keep your business safe, even through employee turnover. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com. Some great stuff in hour two. Stampeders news. Apparently a trade coming down with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So we'll see the Stampeders reunite with former defensive lineman Jagarrett Davis. Also kicked off hour two with a great conversation with now Vancouver Warriors head coach and GM Kurt Miloski. Don't want to miss that. If you're a lacrosse fan, you're just a sports fan in general here in you're the city. You're a Calgarian. Yeah. Uh, Kurt uh, didn't want to make anything about... Uh, the conversation to do with Vancouver. We, we prodded him a bit if we could, but for the most part, he wanted to talk about his time in Calgary, and it was a great conversation. Highly recommend you go check that out on the Hour 2 podcast. It'll be up shortly on Google, Amazon, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcast. But it's Tuesday. Time to take a check-in on the Chucks. It's time for the World Professional Chuck Wagon Association Report. Hear the latest updates from the world of the WPCA and exclusive interviews with the biggest drivers in the sport. The WPCA Insider Report is brought to you by the World Professional Chuck Wagon Association. Racing to the Century Downs Racetrack and Casino World Finals, August 23rd to 27th. Get your tickets now at showpass.com. And this is a very... Special edition of the WPCA Insider Report for me, Aaron, uh, because as we go down to the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline uh, to chat with our truck wagon driver this week, Ray Croto Jr. Ray happens to be a, uh, a family favorite for the Gordon household, Ooh. Uh, and that's only because Ray has to put up being friends with my brother, Chad. So, uh, Ray, how are you today, pal? Pretty good, yeah. How are things there? Uh, we're doing good, pal. How's, uh, how's High River for you? Hot and dry, but it's 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 good. Yeah, yeah, we'll take it. Uh, good night for you on night two, coming out with the fastest time. What was working for your crew? Uh, just an outfit that we'd put together. You know, it's funny how it works. It took all stampede, but we threw them together the last night and run a day money, and and then just left them together. And uh, you know, they seem to have done the same thing and kept the same pace. So we're just kind of yeah, threw a new horse on, and horse that I you know I really liked all spring, but just kind of was playing it safe and didn't give him the opportunity till you know there wasn't as much online but uh i guess it works and we're gonna roll with it now for the rest uh what's that transition like ray going from stampede to an event like high river uh <laughs> it's quite the change yeah <laughs> yeah the, the energy change and you know especially calgary you're you're running on adrenaline for you know 10 12 14 days right so yeah whether you're you know trying to prep or decide which horses you're going to drive or strategize or you know just doctoring and maintaining the crew and keeping everybody feeling good so it's you know it's 15 16 hours a day of just 
you know, rotating it in high gear, right? And then you get to high river, you kind of wind down and maybe a little bit hung over for a couple of days, just, <laughs> you know, the adrenaline wearing off. And, yeah. and that's honestly, I, I messed up driving the first night and, and hit a barrel. And, and, uh, anyways, it, uh, I, uh, yeah, I was just hung over from stampede and not firing on all cylinders, so I had to just get my head back in the game. But yeah, anyways, that's kind of how it goes. That's why Ray's the, the that's the second reason yep. why Ray Crotel's a uh, family favorite of the Gordons is because uh, Reynolds had to get down during stampede time. So. Well, I know how to relate, so yeah. feelings yeah. mutual. Yeah, we don't have important things to do like uh, getting the horses ready in the morning, Ray, but uh, I think we all know what that uh, that stampede was like. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, how's yeah. the uh, how's the season been for you so far? Going back a couple weeks now, we're getting into the grind of it, heading into the last month in August. How have you felt uh, about your season so far? Uh, pretty, it's been solid. Just a few inconsistent moments, or I guess uh, I've made bad judgment calls of picking horses to go into certain races. But um, that being said, you know you had to try and and you know put the expose the horses to you know, maybe a tougher race and, and see if they could handle the the environment, right? So, anyways, yeah, there's a few things the guy would always want to go back and change, but you know, try to just look forward and, and mitigate the risk and put horses in positions where they're going to uh, succeed, right? And and let, let me succeed as a driver and be able to drive them properly. So. Yeah, and that seems to be the, the weekly battle on the chuck wagon circuit, hey, is figuring out that puzzle with the horses and, and trying to come out with your best combo. And you said it there. You had a good one that you had towards the end of Stampede, and maybe that's one that you lean on as the, the last half of the season comes up, hey? Yeah, pretty well. You just, you know, horses are, they have a personality, and and they love what they do, but at the end of the day, they can't tell us when they're not feeling right or, or they're not eating properly or something's off, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to, like, be 100% dialed into you know, how they're acting and feeling and, and then they'll perform for you on the racetrack as long as you're picking the right ones. Right. So if you're, if you're not fully engaged, like I'm basically consumed by it from when we start spring training until the end of the season. And some people, you know, my wife is one of them, but she'll be talking to me and telling me certain things about kids or family or this or that. And it's in one ear and out the other, because (laughs) I'm usually so consumed by what's, you know, horses are doing what and what I'm going to change or where I'm going to leave them. Right. So, yeah. Uh, what's this weekend like specifically with, with the, the high river one being split over two weekends, what do you spend the time in between doing? Are you taking some time to get back home for a bit? Is it all work with the horses? What is uh, the battle of foothills like with uh, being split two weekends in high river, Ray? Uh, it's kind of dragging out here. It feels like, cause we've never, we've actually never done it this way and, and had, you know, three days and then uh you know basically a five-day break and then another three days right so um it it's good it it actually gives horses a lot of opportunity to rest after calgary you know 10 busy you know busy days and especially coming out of pinoca because we you know we'd ran there for six yeah. had four days off and then run another 10 so um horses got you know used and leaned on a bit more than uh sometimes you want and and it gives them a break and rest up and you know we're just cleaning stuff up around the barn here and and washing the liner and just little things and just trying to recover ourselves because like i said the the calgary stampede wears on everybody you know for us working with the horses you know you're in the barn at 6 37 and um 
there till noon and then kind of have an afternoon break. Then you're there usually till midnight every night, right? So yeah. At the end of the day, whether you're having too many sarsaparillas or not, the, <laughs> the horses are sitting in the barn waiting to get fed and watered and taken care of. So yeah. Uh, Ray, it's, uh, as always, when it comes to the chuck wagon circuit, it's, uh, it takes a crew, it takes sponsors and uh, a lot of hardworking people. Take a second to let us know who those people are that help you get through uh, an important chuck wagon season, man. Yeah, it's honestly a small army and, you know, a small army that loves the sport and loves the horses and loves what we're doing. So, um, you know, there's been some key guys all summer long, central oil field hauling, hauling and Cole withers. And then, uh, tech group and Orrin Wade, like, and they're they're new to really sponsor in the last couple of years. So when they're just on board and kind of whatever guy needs a hand with, they're always there to help you out. So, and then uh, Scorpion Oilfield had a Lloyd Minster. They, you know, they're our fuel sponsor for the summer. So you know our trucks and our rigs are getting down the road because of them. So it uh, it goes a long ways. And obviously we couldn't you know, live this lifestyle and, and play this game without those guys on board, right? So. Yeah. Uh, and before we let you go here, uh, talk to us about your cousin, uh, Chance Vegan. He's been on a couple times with us. He's been flying around the courses uh, this summer so far. He's had a great outfit. What do you think of your uh, your little family member there and the season he's had so far? Yeah, he's, well, he's he's breaking records, right? And, yeah. And records are meant to be broken, so if anybody's going to do it, it should be, you know, relative or your family. So it's good to see. And, you know, a lot of people don't know, but we're first cousins are, are both, you know, our mothers or sisters. So, but uh, yeah, he's, he's a very talented guy, uh, very skilled. He's always been that way. And uh, it's definitely showing this year. And he's got an eye for horses and what combinations work. And and he hunts them down at the racetrack and, and buys some really nice ones. So you can't, argue with the results right is yeah. he's definitely been giving us a bare bum spanking here all summer <laughs> yeah hopefully you can give it back to him a little bit as the uh, weeks go on ray appreciate the time today pal uh you know you got the gordon clan chad wanted to say hi to you while we got you on the line here so we'll be watching closely uh the rest of the way down best of luck this weekend in high river pal yeah i appreciate it thanks a lot for calling yeah no worries take care ray you bet bye now ray croto jr joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon for your WPCA Insider Report brought to you by the World Professional Chuck Wagon Association Racing the Century Downs Racetrack and Casino World Finals August 23rd to 27th. Get your tickets now at showpass.com. Still some races to be had in High River this upcoming weekend. Split over two uh, two weekends at the Battle of the Foothills. So you've still got time to get some tickets and get down to High River. It's a short drive south of Calgary. I think it's going to be the closest one uh, before we head back to Calgary for the uh, Century Downs World Finals. Uh, let me see here. Strathmore, Dawson Creek, and Rocky Mountain House. Yeah, so if you missed out on some chuck wagon action uh, at Stampede, all of the names that you heard at Stampede yep. time, uh, Lane McGilvery, Chance Vegan, all the guys that we talked about, Ray's there. Uh, they're in High River getting set for another weekend uh, of racing at the Battle of the Foothills. So head to WPCA.com. they got your full schedule and race results, you can get caught up on all the drivers ahead of time, get you ticket information for wherever you want to go. I know uh, Strathmore coming up early August is a big one for a lot of people, but you still got Battle of the North in Dawson Creek. we got Battle of the Rockies in Rocky Mountain House, and then we'll be back here in Calgary, Century Downs, World Chuck Wagon Finals, August 23rd to the 27th. You can get your tickets at Showpass 
com. Really looking forward to that and appreciate uh, Ray joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Just a couple more weeks in the uh, Chuck Wagon season and we'll be uh, wrapping it up here before you know it back in Calgary, Vickers. Time flies when you're having fun, buddy. It does. Uh, I imagine there's some war. Uh, the weekend was crazy uh, here in Calgary and High River and area. So I imagine it was uh, a little bit toasty for Ray and the boys. Uh, out on the racetrack on uh, Saturday, Sunday, and uh, Friday, I guess. Yeah, and uh, I've uh, just looking at the forecast now. Maybe a little sprinkle on Friday, but then highs of twenty-seven on Saturday, highs of twenty-eight on Sunday. Like, could be cooking again. Maybe not as much as we saw coming out of the studio Monday when we both exited ooh. the front door and got smacked in the face by a wave of heat. But still, uh, still pretty good weather. Grab a sarsaparilla and. <laughs> Find your way into the stands and away you go. go. Yeah, look, I've been to the High River uh, Rodeo and Stampede plenty of times and uh, one of the funner uh, events to go down to. It's super easy to get to. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. You can go down and get a first-hand view. It's not a bad seat on the grandstand out in High River. Weather should be fantastic, so get down there uh, and enjoy it. And uh, like I said, this the, the most interesting part for me doing these WPCA reports is, is like Ray told you, you, you can't. It's not asking, oh, how you feeling? How you, uh, you know, you can't ask the horses, are you a little hot? Yeah. You don't really want to run, you know, go as much. You're trying to pick together a puzzle and put together the best crew that you can for any given night. And There's no Dr. Doolittling it. No, there really isn't. And it's a, it's a constant battle at every stop. And you have some horses that you think are going to perform well at certain spots and they don't, or. Like you said, coming off a of stampede, there's a ton of racing here. Fatigue, all that. Yeah, it's it's everything that's a part of it. It's moving horses. You know, we talked about this, moving an outfit of 20 horses around Alberta for the summer in and of itself is a massive job. Now trying to, to take care of them and give them the best treatment, which they are absolutely given by all these, these great uh, outfits that take care of the horses and run them. Um, you know, and now try to pick, you know, your top horses to go out there and compete on any given night. Uh, it's it's a constant battle, and that's the one thing I've, I've learned, whether it was chanting with Lane or chatting with Ray or, or Chance this year. Yeah. It's, man, it's it's a constant battle trying to figure out how you're going to go out there and perform. Well, it's like trying to pick a lock in a certain degree where you're, okay, which combination of four is going to give me my best chance to win? And it's different every single time you, you head out there. And... If you don't have that combination, chances are you're not uh, you're not coming away with the time that you want. No. So again, it's it's that situation where you have employees underneath you that can't tell you whether or not they're at a hundred percent, whether or not they're a little fatigued, whether or not they just don't feel like it that day. Putting putting together a piece of a puzzle all together to see the whole picture, and sometimes you find it, sometimes you don't. I uh, did want to mention this today as well. Some great news for the Calgary Wranglers. They announced that they have re-signed forward Brett Sutter to a one-year AHL contract. The captain is back, a native of Viking, Alberta. He was named the Wranglers captain for their inaugural season last year. 29 points in 70 games, helping them win the McGregor Kilpatrick Trophy as the AHL's regular season champs. 51-17-3-1 record. He uh, reached the 1,000-game yep. mark for his AHL career, only the eighth player in league history uh, to do that against his former team, the Ontario Reign. Uh, prior to that, the 36-year-old spent seven seasons with the Reign, five as their team captain, um, and uh, includes 60 games in the NHL shared among Calgary, Carolina, and Minnesota, former Flames draft pick. 
back in 2005. Really great piece of news. We were curious about some of the ads for the Wranglers, some of the losses that they've had, maybe some that are you know going to be full-time in Calgary this year, Aaron. Uh, Brett Sutter coming back is a huge piece of news uh, for uh, the Calgary Wranglers. Well, it's just sort of one of those tone-setting leaders that you're getting back, one of those AHL vets. You mentioned he's played over 1,000 games professionally. He's one of those guys that you kind of needed to have back because he's, I mean, it gets overused a lot, but he's, he's a glue guy. He's a guy that sets a tone. And you really need those type of players in a development environment. And, like, let's make no bones about it. The American Hockey League, first and foremost, is a development league. But that doesn't mean you just throw 23 kids on the farm and hope that things grow and develop into NHLers. You need veteran players that have been in the situations that have helped other players advance on in their career. And Sutter is certainly one of those. Yeah, it's always interesting because you talk to anybody in the the Calgary organization last year that spent time with with Brett, and the main guy that comes to mind was a guy that you know we expected to be in the NHL last year was Kevin Rooney, who actually said, "Look, I got a great relationship with Brett. He gave me a nice, fresh perspective on being here with the team, and uh, was clearly a leader for them. They went on another long playoff run, not as long as they'd they'd hoped for, but you know, uh, all of that helps in development and." Helps guys like Jacob Pelche and Walker yep. Dewar make those those next steps in the organization. You're right. You can't just put 23 kids on your roster and say, go at it, boys. You're going to learn what pro hockey is. You want to know what pro hockey is? Ask Brett Sutter what, what pro hockey is, what 1,000 games in the NHL or in the AHL means for your hockey career and, and what kind of lessons you can take from a guy like that. And Hey, Trent Cole's got to be incredibly uh, happy to get that news coming in as this team's head coach. To have a guy like essentially yeah. another coach in it's, in step quasi Reggie Dunlop exactly yeah where right. you have a guy that has played a thousand forty four AHL games over parts of seventeen seasons and sometimes young players can maybe not listen to a coach as much as they should if you have a guy like Brett Sutter one that doesn't happen and two as again as you mentioned you've got another set of ears as a prospect that you can bounce questions off because there isn't anything at the AHL level Brett Sutter hasn't seen. There's no scenario whatsoever. I mean, maybe maybe Dustin Wolf of all guys isn't <laughs> isn't leaning on him so much for advice on the goaltending position, yeah. but outside of that, he can tell any prospect basically anything about pro hockey and how to prepare yourself for the next. Well, level. and I don't think we talk enough about that transition to pro hockey and not being in a billet house anymore. Oh yeah, and or not being in your parents' house anymore and being like, hey, no one's making dinner for you on Thursday night. No one's calling you, you know, to get up and make sure you're on the bus tomorrow morning at eight a.m. It's time to be a pro. It's time to be an adult. I think those are some of the lessons that we don't talk about all the time. But those are the ones that though that's where I think Dustin Wolf or you know, yeah. the goaltending thing, the that's offense. where he leans on on Brett Sutter for is like how do I be a, a pro hockey player, right? This is your first real job away from home, away from, you know, the billet family that made You're life making so dinner easy. for yourself for the first time in your life. Yeah, you've got you've got bills to pay, right? You've got rent to pay, you've got all that sort of thing, and that, that goes into it as these kids make the transition from you know, junior hockey or college hockey into the pro ranks and having a guy like Brett Sutter around makes life a hell of a lot easier on all of them because you know he's going to expect you all to be a professional and to come ready to play and not, you know, oh, sorry, I was late today. I, I, I My car wasn't ready. I didn't, but 
gas. That's not an excuse, right? You're, you're a professional. You're expected to be one. Talk to me about a professional in, in Brett Sutter, and we're going to have him on the program on Thursday. Uh, we're going to look forward to that conversation. Always great to check in with him and see how he's feeling uh, ahead of another AHL season. I'm, I'm surprised, uh, to be honest, that he's back, given that he accomplished you know like the 1,000 games last year. But I'm I'm happily surprised that he's back from a Wrangler's perspective, Aaron. Ah, he's only 36. He's still young. You kids these days. Fair. No, in in his situation, it's good to have him back because, as you mentioned, for some of these first year pros or even even guys that have have been in the minor leagues for one or two years looking to make the jump, he's a built in big brother. Yeah. And he's your captain of the Calgary Wranglers. That's not a position. That's not a status that he's going to take lightly. He never has. So it's good to see that he's back with the Wranglers this year. Uh, so Brett Sutter re-signs with the Calgary Wranglers on a one-year AHL-only contract. He'll join us on Sportsnet today, Thursday afternoon, to discuss coming back for another year. And it'll be interesting to talk with him about uh, whether he's had conversations with Trent Call, the new head coach, what uh, the process was like. I'm looking forward to that chat uh, with Brent coming up on Thursday. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Closing out the show on a Tuesday He's Aaron Vickers. I'm Logan Gordon. This is Sportsnet Today. You're on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Aaron Vickers on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Toronto Blue Jays kicked off their series against the LA Dodgers last night. And it took extra innings. But they were able to find a way to come out of it with a victory. Your latest on the Toronto Blue Jays as they head into game two of their series tonight. Here's your Jays report with Taylor Dingman. Time now for the Jays report on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Taylor Dingman. How are we feeling today, Jays fans? It was a wild late night showdown between the Toronto Blue Jays and the L.A. Dodgers. In the bottom of the first, the Dodgers wasted no time. Mookie Betts kicked things off with a double. Freddie Freeman with a single. And Max Muncy sealed the deal with another single, giving the Dodgers an early one nothing lead. The Dodgers weren't done yet. In the bottom of the fourth, Jason Hayward launched a solo homer, making it 2 nothing for L.A. In the top of the fifth, Alejandro Kirk and Santiago Espinal got things started with singles. And then Kevin Kiermaier with another single. Alejandro Kirk's hustle from second to score Got the Jays back in the game. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. got a single of his own to score Espinal, tying the game at two. Yenesis Cabrera made his first appearance as a Blue Jay and delivered an electric three-up, three-down inning. In the eighth inning, Matt Chapman cranked a solo shot to put the Jays ahead 3-2, only for Max Muncie to respond with his own solo blast to tie it up again. Jay Jackson went to enter the game to pitch in the ninth and tenth inning, bringing us to the eleventh inning. Can't say enough about what Jay did tonight. Composure, execution against really good hitters in a really tough lineup. You know, I, you can't really you can't really say enough about that. You know, you get a runner on second, and you got to really navigate. It's a you know crazy environment here. It's a good team. Loved his demeanor. He was absolutely tremendous tonight. In the 11th, Kevin Biggio came in to pinch run, and the Blue Jays decided to go on an all-out rally. Matt Chapman reached on an error. Whit Merrifield singled, and Dalton Varsho launched a double to score Biggio and Chapman giving the Jays a 5-3 lead. And he rips the ball to right field. Down and it bounces past the sliding Hayward. Biggio scores. Chapman coming in. 
Whit Merrifield is near third, and he will hold up there. A two-run double for Dalton Varsho, and the Blue Jays lead 5-3 to three in the 11. But they weren't done yet. Alejandro Kirk walked the bases loaded. Bochette then walked in a run, making it 6-3 to three for the Blue Jays. Jordan Romano stepped up to the mound for the fourth time in five days in the bottom of the 11th, getting three up, three down to seal the deal for the Blue Jays. As for tonight's game, Chris Bassett will take the mound for the Jays against Julio Urias for the Dodgers. Chris Bassett has faced the Dodgers three times in his career with an ERA of 450 and 16 strikeouts. First pitch will go at 8.10 p.m. And let's all hope this game doesn't go into extra innings again. Catch the Blue Jays all season long right here on Calgary's home of the Blue Jays, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Thank you, Taylor. Appreciate that. With more on the Jays' win over the Dodgers last night, here's John Schneider following his team's victory in L.A. Yeah, huge spot for him. Um, big knock um, in a big spot. You know, that it hopefully does wonders for him. But, you know, um, it's not for lack of work or effort. Um, just happy for him, uh, you know, coming through in that spot. That was, uh, that was huge. I mean, can't say enough about what Jay did tonight. Um, composure, execution against really good hitters in a really tough lineup. Um, you know, I, you can't really you can't really say enough about that. It's uh, you know you get a runner on second and you got to really navigate. It's a you know crazy environment here. It's a good team. Um, loved his demeanor. Uh, he was absolutely tremendous tonight. No, he's fine. Uh, just kind of Jordy walking like Jordy a little bit, and after having the little back thing, just wanted to make sure. And I uh, won't share what he said. It was pretty funny. He was he was good. Over the last seven innings of this game, they only two hits total. That's pretty good against a great lineup. That's really good against a great lineup. You know, um, even going to Hosey, I think battling without really his best command. Um, but whenever you get to Buki and Freddie, you know you're. You're hoping for the best. You know, it's a really good lineup. But our bullpen's been kind of doing that for a while. Um, really, kind of just one uh, mistake pitch from Trev to Max, and uh, he kind of does what he does on those pitches. But um, yeah, you, our, we've been reliable. Those guys have come in and answered the bell. At, you know, for the whole year and pretty consistently over the last month. There was a point late where I think they had three lefties coming up. I think it was Max Trez. Um, was there any thought to going to Mesa? They're obviously work. Um, if he was available, yeah. Uh, he was down tonight. Swanee was down tonight. Um, just wanted to have Jordy for a save opportunity only. Um, so I think it just gives, you know, Jay an opportunity to do what he did. And um, he definitely um, answered answered what we had, were asking for. And then we saw Bo up. I think this was in the sixth inning. Uh, he had a helmet on. Mm-hmm. What was the situation that he was about? Yeah, I think if it was, uh, I mean, there, it's kind of you're adjusting on the fly. I think first and second, probably bunt Varsh there. It ended up being first and third. And with the way Varsh handles the bat uh, for his safety, kind of wanted to hold off Bo um, until later in the game uh, to get to Kirky there and then Espy. But it's, uh, you know, you're trying to fire that bullet whenever you can. Could have easily hit him there. Um, But, you know, you trust guys to kind of do what they're they're good at. And um, at the same time, Bo's definitely earned an off day, too, so didn't really want to force him in early if we didn't have to. Play a lot of gameplay that have been close lately. Yeah, we're good at that. I mean, I think it, you know, it seems like these guys are, are tested mentally um, every night. It seems like games are close, games are tight. There's, um, you know, big spots, you know, whether we're hitting or when we're um, on defense. So um, hopefully that makes us a little bit more battle-tested down the road. 
and um, you know, it becomes a little bit more natural for the guys as we go. Not that you want it to be like that every night. Jays manager John Schneider following the win last night for the Jays, and as Taylor mentioned in the Jays report, a big hit for Dalton Varsho, getting this one to a two-run lead for the Jays in the 11th inning. He has been in a major offensive slump, but came through big for the Jays last night. Here's Varsho speaking post-game after the win. Um, I think it's through all the effort and uh, all the time preparation. Um, understanding who the pitcher is, putting all that together, and um, trying not to do too much, trying to get your pitch and try to stay as uh, low-key as you can. Do you prepare for Phil Dickford before the game, or is that happening kind of in? kind of happens in the, in the game. Um, you obviously know who, who they have in their bullpen. Um, and lucky enough, I've, I've faced a lot of these guys a lot before, so I kind of know what they exactly have. And um, But obviously when you don't know a guy, you kind of just go in, and you, you kind of just are able to kind of, Take it one pitch at a time, but when you have an idea and you have a plan, uh, it makes it a little bit easier. What's the feeling for you as you see that ball go kind of under Edwards' glove and you kind of realize you're going to end up with an extra base hit there? Uh, run my butt off and hopefully everybody scores. Um, I know that uh, Wick got held up and I had to hurry up and scamper back second, but um, you know it was a good feeling because you know that we're going to score at least two. Um, so to get the job done and uh, be able to move the line and keep it going is a great feeling. What's the last month? been like for you, um, just with not necessarily having the results you might want at the plate, but then having that big moment today? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, it's been a tough month for me, but um, obviously, you got to keep your head up, got to keep grinding, and um, got to help this team win any way possible. Um, and it could be as simple as taking a walk instead of obviously rolling over, swinging at a bad pitch. And, um, you know, I had an opportunity earlier today of trying to get Chappie in from third base, and I didn't get it done, and uh, being able to come up with another opportunity again and getting done, it, it was a great feeling. You're in a real tight race there, tough division. I know you played the, a Dodger team, one of the best in the NL. What was your approach coming in? How critical to get a win here against a really difficult opponent? Obviously, getting the first one of every series is huge. Um, just kind of sets us up for uh, the next two or three games. Um, so obviously, um, knowing that the Dodgers are a great team and they're gonna they're gonna do all the right things to win every ball game, um, to pull out tonight and being able to uh, have Jay Jackson get that out in uh, the 10th and being able to pitch two innings for us, I thought was huge. And then being able to get the ball to Romeo in, in the 11th to uh, be able to shut the door was awesome. Shredder was saying that he thought you guys playing in all these close late games kind of helped you guys become battle-tested. Is that how you guys kind of knew it too? Yeah, I mean, obviously, hopefully when you get to the postseason, you're kind of in these type ga- tight games and uh, you know what to expect and how to be able to react to it. So um, obviously being able to tr- control adrenaline now will probably help it towards the future. And um, but uh, winning every ball game is important for us because we're in a great division and uh, every every win matters. Being in your first year with the team, how big is it to kind of get a signature moment like this? Uh, I mean, obviously it's it's great, but um, knowing that uh, what it means to the future, hopefully it's a big win for us and um, being able to keep tallying up all wins and uh, see where see where it heads into later on in the season. Dalton Varsho, Jays outfielder. You had it uh, while we were uh, waiting for that uh, to go there, Aaron. The numbers for Dalton Varsho before that double last night were not great for the Jays. Well, that was his first extra base hit this month, and he was 7 for 51 entering Monday. That's a 137 average. Mm. Even even just, you know, just taking it from a season perspective heading into the game, 212. Not great. Not ideal. No, and you can understand why ahead of the trade deadline in Major League Baseball, the Jays are wondering about... Perhaps another outfield option. I think defensively, Varsho's been great, but 
You need that offensively. Bat. You need that that consistent bat in the middle of your lineup, and he has not been that this year. Um, if whether you've listened to Blake Murphy on Jays Talk Plus or Blair and Barker go through the, you know, is it Cody Bellinger, Randall Gritchuk? What kind of option are the Jays looking for? Um, the reason they're doing that is because Varsho just hasn't been great. Are we giving up on Dalton Varsho? I don't think by any means. He's still under team control for the next couple of seasons. I think there's plenty of reason to believe he can get it figured out again. Uh, but this year in Toronto with high expectations, I, I think you're going to need to be in a pretty all-in all type of mentality, Aaron. And um, it wouldn't shock me if somebody, one of the Jays' acquisitions ahead of the trade deadline was to bring in somebody that perhaps put Varsho in a spot where he's on the bench or just in a spot where he's filling in for Kiermaier or uh, Springer on those days off for those guys down the stretch here. Well, and you also want that internal competition too amongst the players that could could be regular everyday players. And if you bring in another outfielder, then that takes takes a guy out of his comfort level a little bit, takes him out of out of the the safety zone, if you will. But man, did he ever need that double? And came at just the perfect time too. We're not talking about a a two out double with nobody <laughs> on in the third. We're talking about an extra innings hit. Brought in a couple of runs that resulted in a win. So good vibes. Good Maybe vibes. Was, I mean to go on a run, you got to start with one hit. Yep. He's got the one hit. Now what can you sort of parlay that into? Is going to be the, the thing with him and this thing with the uh, Blue Jays situation and with the trade deadline coming up. It's not a lot of runway. Not a lot of runway. But hey, starts with one. Sure does. Uh, we'll see if they can continue that momentum tonight. As Taylor mentioned, eight ten first pitch. Across the Sportsnet Radio Network and the Sportsnet Television Network, uh, Bassett v. Urias is your pitching matchup. Dodgers fifty-seven and forty-two. Jays interaction fifty-six and forty-five. Wanted to uh, bring this up uh, before we're out of here today, Aaron. Uh, not always big on the basketball scene here in uh, in Calgary, but some pretty significant NBA news today. The Boston Celtics with a mega contract. For Jalen Brown. The Celtics wing has agreed to terms on a five year supermax contract extension that will pay him up to $304 million. That is the richest contract in NBA history, and it surpasses the $264 million deal signed by Nuggets center Nikola Jokic last summer. This deal first reported by ESPN and confirmed by Brown's agent later in the day. It's uh, keeping him with the team that drafted him third overall in 2016, watched him develop into a two-time All-Star. But it's not necessarily the the contract and and what it means for the Celtics that I wanted to dump into with you before we get out of here. Um, Have you heard of Alan Walsh? That that ring a bell around here in Calgary? Um, Petit peu. Yeah, just Just a little bit. He didn't cause a stir here. No, I don't. I don't think earlier he's... in this calendar year, did he? Oh, n- not that I'm aware of. Uh, it might be Jonathan Huberto's agent. I'll fact check that. Mm. Yep, he is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, it looks like he's deleted the tweet now. But if I had to guess, it was something about max value contracts in various it, big four leagues in North was, America. It was. And it was about, you know, that. You know, you're coming in at uh, quick math somewhere around sixty million dollars uh, per season for Jalen Brown. That's pretty good on the fly, buddy. I'm proud um, of you. That's really good for how stupid I am. Um, that is 
close to what the Anaheim Ducks will be paying at, at close to the bottom of the cap floor this year. For everyone. For their entire salary structure. Now, there's a salary cap in one league. There's not a salary cap in another league. But the NBA and the NHL are most comparable when it comes to league size, average attendance, you know, build, a lot of them are in the same buildings, mm-hmm. right? It's hard to compare NHL and NFL revenues when NFL plays less games, but they're in massive stadiums. They've got huge TV deals. The NBA and the NHL are historically the two most linked. And one thing that agents have pushed for and talked about for a very long time is look at the NBA where players continue. They just set the record last year for the richest contract in NBA history. Well, they'll be doing that every year And they're going to do that every single year. What happens in the NFL? Every single year, it's a different position. It's not running back. Um, But we see the next highest paid quarterback, right? It was Mahomes at half a billion dollars. Well, Josh Allen's going to punt that out of the way. Justin Herbert's going to move that out of the way as salaries and revenue continues. But why doesn't that happen in the NHL? Why does Connor McDavid go eight years at an underpaid salary of, of $12.5 million, right? Why, and is it is it simply the salary cap? Has the NHL won the battle in keeping player salaries down with a salary cap? Well, I mean, it's a 50-50 split, but yes. Right, because if you're an NHL player, you've got to be sitting here wondering, where's my, you know, next best deal? Right? Because the best players don't get the best deals in hockey. Well, they have to wait every eight years for them because they're taking... Which is a lifetime. Yeah. That's a life... Eight years is but a you, But you can't tell you me. You might sign two contracts. But at the same time, Connor McDavid could have gone four and four. He wouldn't have at that time signed the richest deal. But you could... If you want to take that chance... Well, and see, and the reason I bring this up is because I think what Austin Matthews is about to do with Toronto is how it turns. If the if the NHL players want to get serious and they see Jalen Brown getting sixty million a year from the Boston Celtics, guys, uh, you go your top superstars are going to have to get together and have a conversation, whether it's agents just like the running backs or whatever it is, and say, "Look, no eight year deal." We want to maximize. Look how much the cap is going to go up in four years from now. Why would we ever take an eight-year deal, right? Give me three or four, and the teams won't walk. You won't walk away from Austin Matthews. No, even if it's sixteen, you can't. You cannot. When you're, when you're at that level, you get to to a degree dictate the terms. And part of that issue is well, when those contracts were signed, there was still RFA years to eat up, so on and so forth. But you're getting to a point now where it's like, okay, this is. Present me your offer because it better be in this term range because that's all I'm looking for. And then it better be in this dollar range. And when you can hit unrestricted free agency at 25, like some of these guys will be able to do hypothetically, of course, I'm not talking literally in this case because the contracts have already been allotted. But if you're in, if you're a, I don't like the term because it gets overused a lot, but if you're a generational player coming, if you're Connor Bedard right now, you have it within your power to be a complete unrestricted free agent at age 25. And then you can go two years, three years, 
and set you won't set overall size records on contracts, but you can set AAV records on contracts. Well, and here's here's the the, the most common that's come up at nine six zero nine six zero. The fan feedback line is is roster size difference, and yes, yes, that makes a difference. But the the point I'm trying to make larger than this is the NBA is seeing larger increases in player salary year to year than anything in the NHL. It's not even close, right? If an an NBA player is able to see a 20% rise in salary year over year for a contract like that, you know, the NHL regard, and it's not, I'm not saying that you can pay them the same. I understand the the difference in, in player salary. You can't pay everybody at, at that rate. I, that's not what I'm saying. To, to what I'm illustrate saying the top, your point. The top players don't get increases in salary and don't get similar bumps up in the NHL like they do in the NBA. If I'm not mistaken, the average NBA salary in 2015 was $4.8 million. In 2021, it was 8.5. Not quite double, but not far off. In the NHL. This was NBA. Okay. Haven't done the research on the NHL one yet. Bear with me. And yes, I understand the TV deal is a big part of it, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not denying any of that. It's just, I don't know. Is Jalen Brown the best? Please, one of the best players in the NBA, right? But is he, is the top player in the NBA and the top player in the NHL? Is there a forty-eight million dollar difference in between those leagues? Because I don't think there is, and I think if you're going to start to see that turn as the league gets these more and more incremental salary cap years that jump up because I really think, and I I think I absolutely think it starts with Austin Matthews this year who goes to Toronto and says, I want three or four years to run out this core, but I'm not giving you a discount to do it. It's going to cost you 15, 16 million per season. And then when Bedard is done, his ELC in Chicago, he goes and says, off my ELC, it's going to cost you $17 million per season, and I'm not signing for eight years. Four, That's the four only would be way. the year. Four would be the term. If like if I'm looking at it from a pure business standpoint, four would be the max term because that's immediately unrestricted free agency at age 25. Now, it's not to say that he's but that's trying to leave sh- Chicago. No, but that's how it but, changes it, right? Like yeah. That's how he sets up everybody else to get paid. I believe the average salary is 3.2 in 22-23 in the NHL. That's closer than I thought it was, but I think the, the top... I mean, that's still more than double in the NBA. The top and again, 1%. if you want to figure out roster sizes and whatnot, but yeah. we're talking about different salary structures based on roster size, based on sheer mechanisms within the CBAs. Yeah. But yeah, if you're an NHLer and you see well, it's hard not 60 to, mil... It's, it's hard not to be an NHL GM right now, or an NHL owner, I should say, and and go, man, are we ever lucky we got a salary cap in? I mean, it only cost us a little bit of time away from the game. This text, stupid argument. Connor can't play 60 minutes a game. Way more players required in the NHL. We just talked to you about what it was. But go ahead, 4110, hear what you want to hear. That's okay. Plenty of people on the text line have uh, other constructive things to say. You go ahead and hear how you want to. Uh, this one says, 
Uh, max term deals are more guaranteed money, though. A guy could blow his knee at the end of the four-year deal, and he's done. You do it in the middle of a max term deal, you're still covered. Tough to say, really. Different guys have different priorities. Well, and that's the other thing, too. If you're if you're uh, going to give me NHL contracts, not that NBA contracts aren't, but NHL contracts are guaranteed. So if I've yep. got $125 million sitting on the table that, in theory, I could lose tomorrow, it's tempting, but at the same time, what if I'm leaving 50 or 60 million on the table? I think this is an important text too. NBA doubles in revenue have the stars and marketing power for the teams in larger markets. It's not even comparable. That text, I think, is a really good point for the NHL to look at and say the marketing element. The marketing yeah. element. It's not even close. Even even in, in cities that don't have NBA teams, you know who LeBron James is, you know who Kawhi, you know, you know those guys, right? The NHL does not, to that texture's point, the NHL does not have the pull or the, the marketing stars like the NBA does and doesn't do it in the same way either. The NHL is, is really far behind yeah. in that sense. No, no argument here on that element. Um, does it, uh, uh, lots on the TV deal. Yeah, TV deal is a big one. That, again, comes down to, to marketing and how many eyeballs you can get on them. Um, this one, this one says McDavid and his agent must be licking their chops. He's worth more than any of those NBA guys. Bye bye Edmonton. I don't know if it's bye bye Edmonton, but I think you're the days of us saying that he's underpaid at 12 and a half million. I think that might be coming to an end. If some of these players decide to, to take a hard stance, like we think they might, right? If guys stop taking eight year terms and, or, or maybe get creative with it, right? And say, look, I want to be, I want to represent. I'm trying to remember who tried to do that. I wonder if that was an NFL deal. I can't remember the player that said they wanted to uh, represent a certain amount of the cap per season. That's how they tried to structure the deal. It, would, it didn't go through, but a player tried to, the player and the agent said, look, we don't, we're not going to set a set salary, but whatever the the cap is, we want to represent 20% of that every year. I can't remember what the player was or what the circumstance was. I believe it got rejected by the league when they tried to because it needed to be a a number per season that they couldn't say in three or four years. But I wonder how creative you can get with those kind of deals. right? If you're looking to expand player salaries in the NHL from a player's perspective... Because all we hear about is the cap going up over the next five years, right? Once we're out of this this escrow, Aaron, it's going to go up. But are we going to see the salaries coincide with that? I'm really curious to find out because it's worked in the NBA for players. Was that Russell Wilson? Does that sound about I right I can't remember. I really can't. I mean, it's creative, and I love it from a player-slash-agent perspective. You're guaranteed your built-in raise every year as the cap goes up so too does your contract i can understand from a league perspective why they wouldn't want that but if you could if you're connor mcdavid and you're able to do that you can say i want to be 18.5 percent of the cap and wherever the cap goes my contract goes i think the players would take that in a heartbeat now we're talking about completely restructuring the way you go about navigating your contracts because you're not talking about 
at, at the end of the day, you're talking about millions of dollars, but you're doing it based off percentages. And uh, we'll leave you on this note. Speaking of contracts, we have a new one in the N- in the NFL. The Chargers and star quarterback Justin Herbert have agreed to terms on a Ooh. blockbuster five year contract extension worth two hundred and sixty two point five million dollars. He resets the market once again for quarterbacks. Ironic how we started this conversation about new benchmark, new benchmark, and it, it happens was, live. Uh, Jalen Hurts went five years, two hundred and fifty-five million. Lamar Jackson went five years, two hundred sixty million. Herbert goes five years, two hundred and sixty-two point five, and Joe Burrow still left on the market to uh, perhaps set even further the record. Uh, for quarterback. So that seems like a good way to end it. Where, where we started. New records every day, buddy. Records are meant to be broken. We Apparently. heard that earlier this hour. Apparently. Uh, thank you to uh, Aaron Vickers for joining along with us this afternoon. Really appreciate it, pal. Enjoy your day off tomorrow. Yeah, a little separation anxiety yeah, already. Yeah, it's going to be weird. We've got to do a show without you. We're on before the Blue Jays and the Dodgers tomorrow. Uh, we'll be back together on Thursday. Uh, thanks to Cam and Taylor, outstanding producers, for all their hard work this afternoon. Really appreciate that. Uh, thank you to Kurt Miloski for joining us, Ray Croto on the WPCA report, and Adam Gold chatting all things Carolina Hurricanes. This has been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Ask a restricted key system can keep your business safe, even through employee turnover. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com. Back tomorrow for another edition of Sportsnet Today, here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.